Uh, earlier, as I was uh, told you to greet your neighbor, and I reached over and shook Joel's hand, I just can't get used to this distancing thing. And after I did it, I thought, wow, I just broke the rule again. Uh, the other day, my wife, uh, she takes me out of the house, you know, every once in a while. Uh, and she gambled and took me out of the house. Uh, I believe it was Friday and Friday evening. And we went to the dollar store in Carthage. And anyway, she said, can you run in and get some stuff here? I'll go to the grocery store. And I said, yeah. So I went in and got the stuff that she asked me to get and went up front. And I noticed that there's a couple of young boys that were standing about six to eight foot from the guy that was checking out ahead of him. And I thought, I wonder if they're in line or not. And so I looked over at them, and I caught their eye, and I said, hey, you guys in line? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, maybe you ought to scoot up then. Well, they scooted up, and then they got chewed out by the guy that was standing up front because of distancing. Uh, I'll never get used to distancing because God has called us to be one as a body. God has called us to be one with him. God has called us to be united together with him. And and that's what I... Uh, I just can't get away from that. And today, that's one of the points I'm going to be speaking on. But I want to kind of kick off by talking about what we did last week. Last week, we were uh, talking about rejoicing because Jesus had risen victoriously from the grave. Uh, Jesus had did everything he said he was going to do, and he was victorious. But so many times when we are living in difficult times or uh, times like now with this pandemic and things going on, our job, a lot of people without work. Uh, how do I even respond in a negative, mad, depressed world? And so anyway, we talked about last week being content. And from Philippians 4.11 about how Paul learned in whatever state he was in to be content. And content means in a continual state of happiness. And so Paul showed us how to be content uh, earlier in that chapter in Philippians 4.4, 4, when he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We will be content in a state of peaceful happiness when we rejoice in the things, the free gifts that God has given us as believers. One of those free gifts we talked about was the gift of forgiveness. Jesus prayed, paid the price for our sin. Rejoice in the gift of salvation. Uh, throw off your fears, Jesus said, and give them to me. Jesus has saved us from hell. We need to rejoice in the gift of peace. We need to rejoice that Jesus brings new life. Heaven, rejoice, throw off everything and give it to the Lord. We have a lot to rejoice about. But as I began to study and pray about this week, the Lord showed me that there's another gift that the Lord had given us, and it's called Pentecost. And Jesus, after his resurrection, was with the disciples and was with people for another 40 days. And then the last 10 days, the disciples were seeking the Holy Ghost. And in 50 days, they would celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And because of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, they would celebrate the church, the birthday of the church. So we have two great gifts here the Lord has given us to be thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the gift of the church. And man, we need to rejoice just in those two things. As I thought about this, we will never be content. We will never make it through this life without salvation, without the Holy Ghost, and without the church. 
And so that's why it's so hard for me not to want to reach out and shake your hand today. That's why it's so hard for me not to want to give somebody a hug because we are the church and we are one with each other and we are one with God and I just want to be with you. Aren't you ready to come back to church and worship with us so we don't have to deal with all these technical problems that we're dealing with sometimes? But the scripture today that I wanted to read was from Acts 1, 1 through 16. And it tells about what the disciples were doing that last 10 days, but, but really what happened that last 40 days. It said, and this again is in uh, for, or, or Acts 1, uh, 1 through 16. And I want to give you a chance to turn in your Bibles there. Uh, I read it off my computer because I can make my font 200, and it's easier to see. When you get my age, you know I'm pretty young. Uh, sometimes I, it's easier to see on my computer. But again, Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 16. So I've actually turned there myself in the Bible, and that should have given you guys time to get there. So I'm in Acts chapter 1 now, and we're getting ready to break open the Word. And it says to Theophilus, the lover of God, and that's something that really got me. Uh, I'm reading now the TPT, and and it says there that to Theopolis, the lover of God, I write to you, which means that we are lovers of God. You want me to change my mic? So I'm going to add another mic in here today. Sorry for the technical difficulties. I'll just put that on now. And again, from Acts 1, 16, 1 through 16. To Theopolis, the lover of God, I write to you again, my dear friends, to give you further details about the life of our Lord Jesus and all the things that he did and taught. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. After the sufferings of the cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected during these encounters. He taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. Jesus instructed them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. Again, that gift of the Holy Spirit. For John baptized, with, baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they were to, together or gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it time now for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? Jesus answered, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be seized with power, and you'll be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even the, the remotest places on earth. Right after he spoke those words, the disciples saw Jesus lifted into the sky and disappear into a cloud. Man, we could talk about that today. Isn't that powerful and exciting? Because that's the way Jesus will come back. Verse 10 says, As they started in the sky watching Jesus ascend, Two men in white robes suddenly appeared beside them. They told the startled disciples, Galileans, why are you starting up or staring up in the sky? 
Jesus is being taken from you into heaven, but he will come back the same way that you saw him ascend. The disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem less than a mile away. Arriving there, they went into a large second floor room to pray. They present, those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of Jacob, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. During this time, Peter stood up among the 120 believers who were gathered there and said, Fellow believers, the scripture David prophesied by the Holy Spirit concerning Judas had to be fulfilled. And again, he started preaching out of the book of Psalms. But Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for your, your presence that's with each and every one of us. Father, it doesn't matter where we're at right now. Father, your presence is around us. Father, you're wanting to minister to us. You're wanting to speak to us. You're wanting to come alive in us. And so, Father, we give you permission, Lord, to move upon us today. Father, to open your word to us and to speak to us in Jesus' name. Again, today, the point is, God gave us the gift of Pentecost. And Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was given. And because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the church was established. This year, we're celebrating Pentecost on May 31st. Easter was May or April the 12th. So if you count April 12th, 50 days, then you'll see that we'll be celebrating Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on May 31st. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and announce it now, but we're planning to be back together by then. We're planning to have a blowout party that day to celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but also to celebrate the church, the birthday of the church. And so we're making plans for that now. I challenge you to be praying that we're back together way before them, but that we're going to have a party that day to celebrate these two things. In the first 40 days, and we're going to talk about the next six weeks, about what happened during this 50 days. And, and we're going to just see and explore a little bit. The first 40 days, Jesus returned from, or returned from the resurrection, and, and he was able to speak and talk to those that, that were there, the disciples. He trained them. Uh, he proved that he raised from the dead. Uh, he taught them truths. He just, he just poured into them. But the neat thing, it said he shared meals with them. Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples in that 40 days, Acts 1, 3 through 4 tells us. But after that 40 days, Jesus returned to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And I wanted to remind us of that today. Hebrews seven twenty five says, Consequently, he is able to save the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus went to sit at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. So when we call upon him and we do the things that the disciples did today during the last 10 days, here in a second, I'm going to talk about what the disciples did the last 10 days. When we discuss that, you're going to see that Jesus is there listening. He's interceding to God on our behalf. So our prayers and all the things that we do to reach out to God, man, things happen. And I wanted just to remind us of that. 
But again, the last 10 days, the disciples began to seek God until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were following Jesus' example by saying in Acts 1-4, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you with water, but I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So what three things did they do those last 10 days? So here they are, three things that activated Pentecost. And if you got your notebook paper with you, three things that activated Pentecost. Again, the disciples were there waiting, and they were waiting to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But the first thing they did, they, they prayed. The word said, arriving there, they went into a large room to pray. Then they prayed, united in prayer, gripped with passion, interceding night and day. Man, are we doing that? I want to challenge you, man. We have more time on our hands than we ever had to reach out with God. You know, they had 10 days to just seek God in passionate prayer, gripped with passion, united, and, and day and night seeking God. Man, I want to challenge us all to be doing that, to pressing in and to, and to just enjoying God. And when we do, the Holy Ghost will move upon us. But point one, they were unified when they prayed. Unified means joined together for a common purpose. They were in a prayer of agreement. Agreement means harmony in an opinion. Boy, that's the way God wants to see his church. He wants them to see us in harmony with him, but also harmony with each other, in agreement, just worshiping and praising his name. And when we do that, mountains will move. When we do that, in this case, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. So when we, again, two or three of us come together and agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Isn't that powerful today? That the first thing is prayer, but the key to that and the key to reaching the throne is being unified in agreement with God in agreement with each other. The second thing is they were gripped with passion. Gripped is to take a, a firm hold of something and to hold it tightly. Passion is a strong, barely controllable emotion. Man, they were in wanted God so bad. It was like that, that, that lady that grabbed a hold of Jesus that was bleeding, and she wasn't going to let go. Man, she was interceding. She was believing that Christ would hear her. She was passionate, and she was gripped tightly to Christ, and she received her healing. Are we gripped tightly to Christ? Are we passionate for the Lord? Are we wanting the, the Holy Ghost to move on us? Are we seeking God to the point that this Holy Spirit just dumps on us? Are we passionate? about the thing, a prayer, our prayer time. They had a prayer of intercession. They're interceding night and day. Interceding means trying to discover God's plan. God said in James 1, 5, if you need wisdom, you should ask God and it will be given to you. When we ask God for wisdom, his desires will become the focus of our prayers. Let, it, let God change the way you think 
then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. If you go and read Romans 12, 1 and 2, that's our spiritual sacrifice that we offer ourselves up to God and just let him move through us. So we're interceding for the wisdom. We're interceding for God. We're we're wanting him to move upon us. So we see here these three things that, that when we pray, we need to be united together in common with Christ and God and each other and the Holy Spirit. We need to be gripped with passion. In other words, we don't say, oh God, thank you, Jesus, touch my life and, and go on about our business. We are gripped with passion. We're in deep intercession night and day, seeking to change and to know God's wisdom for our life. But guys, something that I want to remind us of today is prayer of agreement is not doing what other people are doing. Prayer of agreement is seeking God, gripping him with passion, seeking his desire, his wisdom. And I think so many times that we as believers, that we can come in and just say, well, this believer's doing that or this believer's doing that. That's not the agreement that Christ was talking about. He was talking about being in agreement with him. Now, if other believers are, that's great. But sometimes I think we follow the crowd too much. At Oakton, we have teams, we have worship, we have the children's teams, we have youth teams, young adult teams, adult teams, we have golden majors, missions, evangelism, nomination, education, pastor staff, trustees, media sound, nativity, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. And I pray that these teams are not looking to be in agreement about what they think, but they're in agreement with God's wisdom in what God's wisdom is, that they're passionately interceding and, and, and asking his will over all these areas before we even step out. That's why the Holy Ghost fell that day, because the disciples were seeking God with all that they had in prayer and compassionate prayer and, and unified prayer. The second thing, they preached, they listened, and they studied God's word. You know, a lot of times as I was studying this today, and be honest with you, I about didn't preach it because it's so basic. Uh, The devil was hitting me all week. Can't you just preach the same thing over and over? Prayer, word, and then today I'm adding revelation in there. But Holy Ghost, that's all you need. Well, guys, that's the truth. And you know what? It hit me this morning that I finally broke through with this when the Lord spoke to me. It took Jesus over three years to get the disciples to that point. So we need to hear these things over and over that prayer is the most important thing. Do we go to God for through prayer before we do anything else? Do we pray to God before we go to the doctor? Do we pray to God before we ask for counseling or advice? That praying to God is the number one thing. And two, preaching and listening to God's word, studying God's word. We saw in the scripture in Acts 115 that during this time, Peter stood up. And among the 120 believers who were gathered and spoke from Psalms 1, or from Psalms chapter, or I don't remember the chapter, but he began to preach from the Word of God. He didn't preach from his own intellect. He preached from the Word of God. He studied the Word of God. He studied the things of God. Guys, wisdom comes from the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 from the Amplified, Amplified Version says, All Scripture is God-breathed, 
In other words, given in divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction, for restoration to, from, to in other words, repent and restore to uh, obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in the, in the will of God, conforming to the will of God, both publicly, privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that, that a man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitting, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God supplies us all that we need. Uh, many of our prayers aren't answered because we're not living out God's Word. Many of our prayers aren't answered because we're making bad decisions and not living according to God's Word. To be honest with you, many of us are miserable because we're not living God's Word. Really hit me, we've uh, been doing a devotion with uh, the Manival boy, Andrew Manival. And anyway, in that, there's a guy that's that Randy Alcon, I think how he says his name. But he said, any day I do not contemplate Scripture, my focus blurs, my purpose gets fuzzy, and my happiness diminishes. I become impatient, critical, self-centered, and unhappy because I lack God's fresh infusion of God's grace and perspective. And I thought, man, how powerful that is. Uh, if you want to join me and Andrew on that, it's on uh, Vision and it's called Sports Spectrum. But they're speaking a lot of things in that that are powerful. It just hit me on prayer. I didn't even know that Ryan Tannehill was a Christian. I mean, I don't know the guy, but he didn't do anything for me not to think that. But he shared about how important that prayer was in his life. That how that before he even gets up in the morning, first thing he does is pray and seek the Lord. And here's a guy that's got all the money that he probably needs, got the a fun life of playing pro football, quarterback, all that he really needs, but he knows that Christ is where he needs to be centered. And then this other football player, Randy here, that knows that when he doesn't read the word and when he doesn't give in to God each day, that time that he's not as happy, life isn't as fun, it's not, it's just not no purpose, it's blurry, it's fuzzy. We need perspective and the word of God gives us that. The word of God is very important. The third thing is revelation. And this one here is really what jumped out to me. The Holy Spirit was given... And it was a revelation uh, that the disciples may have been told about, but they didn't really understand maybe. But, but it, God revealed his Holy Ghost. But revelation is a surprising unknown fact. If you guys are like me, it's usually when you go, ah, I get it now. Oh, I understand that. Or aha moment. A lot of times I'll say, duh because it's so right out there in front of me, and God reveals it to me. But the Lord showed me a revelation in this passage that I think a lot of us struggle with today, just like the people did in that day. The disciples would not, could not be kingdom-minded without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And really, those people back in the day, they had trouble focusing in and understanding the things of God. Palm Sunday, if you go back and listen to that sermon we discussed how the Jews 
thought Jesus was coming in to set them free from Roman rule, when really Jesus came to set them free from Satan's rule, from sin rule, from sickness, and from unrighteousness, from hell, if you will. And so they really didn't understand why Christ was there, why that Christ had come to deliver them. Then I think of the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these people, they should have known the Word of God. They should have known God because they prayed to Him. They should have understood these, these things, but they didn't. They could not see Jesus' plan. And we see the Jews, we see the, 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 these religious leaders, we see all these things and, and these people that they just couldn't understand what Christ was about. Then today, in today's word, in Acts 1-6, the disciples, I believe, they really didn't understand the totality of the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the gift of Pentecost, of the gift of the church at this time. You know, Jesus had shared with them to stay in Jerusalem, to, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you these things. But the first thing out of their mouth in Acts 1-6 was, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel. Wow. They still didn't understand their calling. Now, a lot of you may not agree with me on that, but the reason I think that is true is because you do not, after the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost, you do not hear them ask that again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit revealed to them revelation, and they completely understood why God called them. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you these things that are to come. Again, John 16, 3. With the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, the disciples could be kingdom-minded. They understood what they're really about. Do we understand today that the Holy Spirit that Christ gave to us, that God gave to us that special gift, was their spirit? It was God's spirit. It was Christ's spirit. You see that spirit upon different ones in the Old Testament. But we see in Acts chapter 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty wind rushing, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. We see in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that the fire of God, think about this, Israel was led by a cloud during the day when they come out of Egypt into the promised land, and, or heading to the promised land, but they're led by a fire by night. We see that God uses that fire symbol to divide and come upon each disciple. In other words, it was more than Moses that could read this, receive the Holy Ghost now. It was more than certain prophets that, that could have the Spirit in them. It was any believer that would choose to be filled with the Spirit, that tongues of fire would come in and divide and come into each and every one of them. You too today can be filled with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, Christ's Spirit in you, dwells in there, talks to you, walks with you, guides you, directs you, shows you the way. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost 
and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can speak in tongues and speak out the things that God wants us to say. Uh, even in Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We need to pray in the Spirit to the Lord in our heavenly tongue to the Lord each day, every second of the day, to get to know Him better. What better thing to do during this time now, this pandemic, when we get all the time in the world? And you say, why? Why is that so important? Because the Holy Ghost, that wind rushed in. That wind was like a locomotive. It was so loud. It was so powerful. It, it came in all around them, and, and, and they could feel it. They could, they could sense it. But they couldn't see it. They could see the results of it. And today, that Holy Spirit, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that tongue divides, and, or that fire divides and comes on us, and we can speak and talk to God, but the Holy Spirit begins to work through us. And the Lord really hit me. You know, just thinking about wind. Where would we be as a nation today without the wind? Now, I'm not talking about the church. I'm just talking about America. Where would we be today without the wind? Would Columbus have sailed the ocean blue? No, because there wouldn't have been any way. It may have said something like, he rode the ocean blue because there would be no wind. You know, what about the wind that turned the windmills, that ran the sawmills, that cut the wood, that built things? In other words, the industry that developed because of the wind. What about the wind that, that we're trying to get for power all around Oakton area now? They're, they're building these big, uh, what do they call them things, the fans, these windmills. What are they doing? They're capturing the wind to generate power for this area. So without the wind, we couldn't receive power. So when I think about that, that wind is in those that receive the Holy Ghost. And just think what that power, that wind can do in your life. Man, that's something to think about today. This guy in this sports uh, uh, devotion that I'm doing with Andrew's Sports Spectrum, Randy said in it, the more conscious our dependence on Christ, the more we will pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, when we start realizing that, that when we seek God and we press into God and we study our Word, that He's going to give us revelation that's going to change the world. Man, just think, that's why Oakton's here today, because somebody was praying, somebody was reading the Word, and the Holy Spirit spoke into them, gave them a revelation, hey, we need a church in Oakton to minister to the world. Wow, that's pretty powerful today. When we start seeing how important that Holy Ghost is, that maybe we're praying for our sons and daughters, and I don't mean, oh, God, touch my child in Jesus' name, but we're passionately we're pressing into God. We're praying for that child. We're reading our word and, and we're asking God for a revelation to minister to that child. And he gives us that revelation and boom, that Holy Spirit moves and that child is saved. That's why that the result of the Holy Ghost is the church. Because that's exactly what happened. 
when Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost, he began to, to, to get revelation, and God began to minister to him, and then 3,000 were saved the first day, then 5,000 were saved, and then the Bible says, and there was just people getting saved day by day. That's the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives us. He speaks into us and shows us all things, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the will of God. And so when we're praying to God with passionately and we're reading our word, we can expect a revelation. We can expect a move of the Holy Spirit. We can expect God to touch our lives. And that's where I want to close today, to be honest with you. I've got a whole point on the church that would take just as much time, and God has really ministered to us through this. So we're going to stop here today. If the praise team would come forward today. But as they're coming forward today, the Holy Spirit is a result. Or excuse me, the church is a result of the Holy Spirit. Let me think about that a minute. The church is the result of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is a result of the Holy Spirit. The disciples praying, disciples breaking open the word, the disciples hanging out together. They were in one accord, and God gave them revelation, and the church was established. You even know that the word says there was no needy person among them. Think about that. We can be content when we are saved and we're filled with the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is going to give us revelation and there will be no needy person amongst us. That's straight from the scripture today. What do we need today? Well, I can tell you what you need if you're not saved. You need salvation. I can tell you today, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I think if you're like me, sometimes that that life gets to be heavy and overwhelms you. Man, it, it's depressing getting been stuck in your home. But go to prayer. Go to the Word. Get a revelation from God, and you'll be dancing around the house, and your neighbors will be pick, taking pictures through your window. Because like, what's going on with that crazy guy? What's going on with that crazy girl? You can say, hey, I'm getting a revelation for God. You know, revelation from God said is, this ain't going on forever. This pandemic is temporary. But God says, I am forever. We need to remember that today. Maybe today you need an infilling of the Holy Spirit, a refilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, the disciples, after... Uh, 3,000 were saved, the 5,000 were saved. And in and, and Acts chapter 4, they were beaten, they were battered, they were tired, they had been put in jail. Everything was opposing them, and they're thinking, God, I gave all this up for you, and look what you're doing to me. Actually, they, I don't think they thought that way. Because they went to prayer with the church, passionately seeking God. Go check me out in Acts chapter 4. Seeking God, and guess what happened? The place was shaken and they were filled and renewed with the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to celebrate the Holy Spirit. This next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to celebrate the birth of the church, because it's the result of the Holy Ghost moving in our life.
But we, the church, we need to recognize that, that we have the power of the Holy Ghost. That when we pray and we read our word and we seek God, he's going to give us revelation and people are going to get delivered. People are going to get saved. People are going to get set free. Our lives are going to be on fire for God. That's what I want. Is that what you want today? So the altar call today is simple. As the praise team prays and prays and worships the Lord, if you're not saved today, I want you to receive Christ. The word said, if you confess with your mouth, that he is Lord and believe on your heart that you will be saved. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, man, go to your prayer closet, get on your knees and pray and just give God all you are. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit now to renew to the Holy Spirit now, just get on your knees and just seek the Lord and he'll give you a revelation. Read the word and confirm it through the word. God loves you. God cares about you today.